Take your Bible and turn to the book of John, chapter number 12. John, chapter number 12. John, chapter number 12. If you have your hymn book still in your hand, too, if you can balance them both. Um... I want you to look at the hymn that we looked at a little earlier. Uh, the first one we sang, 293. Uh, it's kind of interesting. It's, sometimes we sing hymns, and uh, and I when I sometimes see the hymns we're singing, I thought, wow, did the Lord put this service together? Because we don't coordinate necessarily between the message and, uh, and what we do in music from our hymns. Of course... God is, doesn't change, and he's the same yesterday and today and forever. So <clears throat> so just look at some of the lyrics that you see here in 293 as you're all on the altar. And uh, it says, Have you longed for sweet peace, for faith to increase? Have you earnestly and fervently prayed? But you cannot have rest or per- be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. That is soul biblical, uh, and we're going to go over that today, that people long for the, the kind of uh, walk with God uh, that really, they, they really feel a oneness with him throughout whatever they're doing, whatever they uh, have to do, whether it's necessarily ministry or in your home, work, whatever you got to do. The second verse, would you walk with the Lord in the light of his word? Have peace and contentment all way. You must do his sweet will to be free from all what? Ill. Uh, the Lord says those that do his will will know. Know the doctrine. So he's basically saying if you don't do what you already know, is God going to give you any more? You know? So you'll be limited. His Bible teaches that. Um <clears throat> And then it goes on with the, is all in the all. Verse number three. Oh, we never can know the Lord will bestow of the blessings which we have prayed till our body and soul he doth fully control. That's a big one. You know, does God care about what we think? Thoughts we have. How many had trouble with Thoughts. You have to talk to the Lord. Lord, I got some problems here. <laughs> this ain't right. Your pastor has thoughts. I whoa, this ain't right. And I talk to the Lord about it. Ask him to forgive me. We're casting down what? Every every imagination, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. So we don't allow any thoughts to be there that shouldn't be there. And he says, um, he says with um uh, latter part of number four says, uh, who can tell all the love he will send from above and how happy our hearts will be made. A fellowship sweet we shall share at his feet when all on the altar is laid. That, I, I guess because I <clears throat> prepared this message and, this, and, uh, and I sang that with you this morning and I said, wow, that is such a wonderful and I, said, I don't know how many how many have seen that song. You almost like you forget what it's saying there. 
So when we think about a Resurrection Sunday being just uh, a week away, and we remember it, and of course, you know, God was all about, you know, the Passover was something they were never to forget. And of course, we know that Jesus was our Passover lamb, right? He was the one that, that they were going to sacrifice, and he was that without a blemish. And, uh, and of course, the death angel, when he seen what? As he passed over the Egyptians and the Israelites, what happened? Okay, let's go over the story a little bit. What happened at Passover? The, the death angel, he was called. What did he do? He killed all the firstborn except for who? Those that had the blood on the doorpost and the lentil. From the, bland, the lamb without a blemish. When he seen the blood. We sing that song too, right? When I see the blood, I shall what? Pass over you. God is looking for that. And so this idea that we can have the kind of Christian life that God wants us to have is, is really dependent did I lose my pointer? I hate when that happens. All right, we'll see if we can get it there. All right. All right, so there is... <clears throat> let me go back. That went away faster than I wanted it to. If you look in John chapter number 12, is where we're going to look at this morning. One of the, What brought this to mind is because during this, I think it's 40 days before... Um, Resurrection Sunday, I, I believe the Catholics practice Palm Sunday. I mean, you path Catholics out there know what I'm talking about. And they all give you a, a, a palm on Palm Sunday. And then I think, I don't know when that's, that might be just before Resurrection Sunday. And then long before that, they do this little thing where they, they smudge your forehead with uh, ashes all right, and, and I think they put, don't they put a little sign of a cross, some of them do, or anyway, they dirty up your forehead and uh, putting on ashes, and, uh, you know, and I was thinking about that palm, you know, and you'll see, if, I don't know whether it's this Sunday or it was last Sunday for them, was it this Sunday they do that? Everybody comes out of church and they got a little green palm, I think it's a palm leaf, I don't know, they must get them in the bulk, but anyway... I haven't seen any palm trees around here, but uh, they everybody comes out with that, and they feel pretty good because they got something from church, I suppose. And uh, you know, but there is some significance in that. Uh, as we went out to uh, Hawaii, and uh, by the way, we enjoyed ourselves out there immensely. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, but while we were out there, we I've never been around too many palm trees, but. Uh, where we uh, we stayed at the equestrian uh, motel or hotel, and uh, outside our window, outside the balcony, we were eye level with a lot of palm trees, and uh, it was kind of—I mean, it's kind of like a picturesque scene, you know. But the thing that I found was that these palm trees are way up there. I don't know that this is the norm. I think they start out small at some point, but a mature palm tree gets up to a hundred feet high. Uh, I think that's the highest I think I read that, that they get high and of course these ones down there and this was on Waikiki is where we were at and, uh, they literally look nice well I was out there about uh, one early morning and I 
they had trucks all parked out along the street, and uh, <clears throat> and these guys were shinning up these trees. I mean, shinning up them. I mean, I said, well, how? Know? And they, they had these foot spikes on, and this kind of kind of a loop thing they used to climb. I said, what are these guys doing? I climbing these trees? I thought it's just some kind of show they're putting on for us or something. And no, when they got up to the top, they start whacking the leaves out or whacking the branches out. And I, wow, they're going to a lot of a lot of trouble to 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 take these branches. And I think it was just just part of the arbor work that they do. But the thing of it is, there's significance in this, and as far as the church and why the, it wasn't just any branches that they 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 took. And uh, if you're like me, we'd say, well, what did they do with those things? Um, I always thought they strew them down. I really don't think that that was really what it was. If you can kind of read up here, I, I looked this up a little bit just to find the significance of it. They went to all the trouble to get these. Uh, palm branch and the pain they went through the branches of a palm being worn in token of victory hence the word signifies superiority victory triumph the palm was adopted as an emblem of victory it is said because the trees so elastic that when pressed to rise and recover its correct position so you could have a really bad bad storm that would that would come in and bend these trees completely almost over, yet they had the ability or elasticity to erect themselves back up again. Doesn't that picture what? The death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. And, and you think about it, that in, in John chapter number 12, if you'll stand, we're going to read just a portion of, of, of God's Word this morning. And I want you to take into consideration this portion because it is significant that it leads up to the resurrection of our Lord. John chapter number 12, we're going to read starting in verse number 20. Verse number 20. Well, maybe go back just a little bit. Verse number 12. And on the next day, much people were come to the feast. And when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of a palm tree and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a, a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, these things... I'm sorry. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then he remembered they had these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him when he was called out of, when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for they heard that he had done this miracle. And the Pharisees, therefore, among themselves, perceived he how prevailed on nothing. Behold, the whole world has gone after him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, there's a significant message, Father, for 
your people. And I pray that, Father, that we would see the <clears throat> resurrection, Father, not as something of a historical, though it is. But, Father, we'd see it something that we need for this present time that we live in, present day. Father, you have, by your grace, given us this opportunity to be a church and to live the resurrected life. And I pray that, Father, that though we may feel pain, Father, there is some victory in that. Not only for ourselves, but for others. And I pray, Father, that we endure as good soldiers. In Jesus' name, amen. And have a seat. <clears throat> so the palm was worn as a token of victory. They recognized that he was, or thought he was, or at least some thought he was, that he was the Messiah. And they honored him in that way, even so much for that they held the palm leaves and, and used them as a victory. Some laid their clothes down, or garments down in front of his his uh, donkey as he walked over that and came into Jerusalem. But I want to go back and I want to look at some of the verses that we look at. In verse number one, the, by, the path to victory, first of all, you've got to discover there is a prize. When you look in verse num- number one of chapter number 12, you'll see, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where, Je- where Lazarus, which, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Now listen, this has already been happened in there, but it's reintroduced in the beginning of chapter number 12. And the idea there is that if we're going to have the victory, if we're going to realize the pain of the, uh, that they went through to get those palm trees down or palm leaves down, there was a purpose. Because you've got to discover that, listen, the Christian life isn't just a, a matter of, uh, uh, of going through the rituals that we may go through. Uh, it's not just a, the ashes splashed on your head and carrying a palm leaf out on, a, on Palm Sunday. But notice that he had been raised from the dead. That's something that we ought not forget. When you become a child of God, you're no longer the same. You're raised from the dead. You're no longer in in a death mode and dying. And if I I said to somebody this morning, listen, if you die without Christ, knowing that you need Him, are you accountable? Are you accountable? Yes, you are. And you and I that have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ already, that we are also accountable to those individuals. You're in Sunday school this morning. The teacher mentioned, hey, parents, you are accountable. You have that direct responsibility, and I call it a privilege, really, to live the resurrected life in front of your your children. You realize... When you live the resurrected life, Christ is living in you. That he's going to guide and direct you in your thoughts, in your words, in your actions, so that your kids will want to emulate you. Have you ever seen your kids, when they're real toddlers, emulating something you do? Right? No, they just, they just want to do what you do. I, 
we had uh, the kid were over yesterday, and uh, I don't remember what we did. We made a mess on the floor. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll get the broom out and then the dustpan out. Well, I, I was almost tackled by one of the Finns, the twins. But you're not going to do this without me, Grandpa. She grabbed the broom out of my hand, the dustpan out of my hand, and if we're going to do this, we're going to do it together because you're not going to do it by yourself. We say, why? She wanted to emulate. You know, it's not only, believe it or not, it's not only little children that emulate you. It's people that you think aren't really paying attention. You really? When a city is set on a hill that cannot be hid, right? People recognize that. And not only do they recognize that, they, may, they appreciate, they may not tell you what they appreciate, but how, do, how many people like honest people? Right? I mean, like people that's just kind because they feel like it's, they're supposed to be kind. You know, it's, it's something that it, it is a prize. And when you discover that it is a prize that to live the resurrected life, not only for yourself. John chapter 11, if you want to turn there, it's not far from where you're at. Verse 44, it gives the example of Lazarus, or it gives you the, 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 the story of Lazarus. In verse 44, and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with the grave clothes, and his face was bound with napkins. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him. Let him go. You know, it's our responsibility to help folks be liberated. What a privilege. You know, there's nothing more exciting to be in a church where people are being liberated from sin. Well, there's nothing, nothing greater, more, more, brings more pleasure in your life. As a parent, there's nothing that brings more pleasure in your life to see your children walking in truth. It won't. I, I mean, you can have all the, all the quote-unquote niceties of the world, the home, the car, the money, the whatever, but there's nothing more uh, greater prize to see your children living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if your grandparents to see your grandchildren do that, let them go. You have the opportunity and strength through the Lord Jesus Christ to accomplish that great and glorious task. So that path to victory is a prize. In verse number 2, you're going to see also, and it says, Then they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them, them that sat at the table with him. Wouldn't that be fun to sit at the table with Lazarus? I imagine people couldn't take their eyes off of him, you know? can't believe you're here. <laughs> I can't believe, man, I just like you. The other day we buried you. And now you're sitting at the table with us. You know, you think about that, that uh, uh, Gadarian devil that, man, he was in the tombs and he was cutting himself and, he, and no, nothing could bind him. And then the Lord uh, resurrects this guy from his sin and from the uh, demons that had a hold of him. And he was sitting and clothed and what? And in his right mind. Woo! I don't know about you. That gets my exciter all excited. Man, it's a prize, but developing that potential. Look in verse number 3. Then, then took Mary a pound of ointment, a spike near, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet 
with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. You know, sometimes we just read through God's word and we don't take into the consideration why was this significant? The odor did what? The odor filled the room. A resurrected life fills the room, my friend. You cannot, you cannot be the light of the world. You can't be a candle that's set on a candlestick and be hid. What you, you living the resurrected life develops a potential to reach and, and affect people around you you never thought could be affected. That's why I'm telling you, if you're saved today, and you know that God would have this house to be full every Sunday, but especially when the opportunity is even more available than ever before for Resurrection Sunday... And you have the Holy Spirit of God, and God is saying to you, and he says, I announce that, hey, we need to be out there. And, and, and you're getting tugged on the inside by the work of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. Listen, don't diminish who God is in you. Don't think just because, well, it's just me and you. You see yourself from the inside and know who you are. Listen, you're trying to live the... I know, I know there's people in here that are trying to live the resurrected life. You stumble, you fall, you mess up, but I know, I can see it. And if I can see it as your pastor and I know that you have a heart and a desire, then there's other people around you to see the same thing. The same thing with this woman. She never said a word. She just lived what she thought she should be doing. And it convicted one of the disciples. Well, shouldn't you? Hey, wait, wait. This is a great waste of money. <laughs> I mean, this should have been sold and given to the poor, it says in the next couple of verses. But what did Jesus say? Let her alone. Leave her alone. Against this day of my bearing has she kept this. You know, we have this opportunity. Look in Luke chapter 10, if you will, with me. Verse number 38. Luke chapter number 10, verse number 38. The Bible says, Now it came to pass that when he had entered into a certain village, a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving, and came to him and said, Lord. Somewhere I lost my pointer. I apologize. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 40. And Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? What did Jesus say? Somebody tell me. What did he say? What did he say? Next verse. Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. You know, when you think about it, you can be cumbered about with so many things 
that you're incapable of being that odor that God wants you to be. How many would say that that's a little bit of my problem? I, I got so many things going on up here and so many distractions going on here. Listen, Jesus says, who chose the better part? Mary did, didn't she? Mary chose that better part. Listen, the better part is to be that ability to be that ointment or that odor that fills the room. Allowing the Lord Jesus to develop that potential that you have. Do you want the victory? Let me ask you, do you want to do you be want to be those ones that says, "Wow, our Lord is coming. Our Lord is the victor. He's the one that's going to uh, beat death." Hell, he's the one that's going to give my, my, my children the opportunity to, to know the truth and the truth to set them free. So not only do you develop that potential, look what it says from 13 on. The Bible says he took the branches of the palm tree and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Let me say that again. Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Verse 14. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on the ass of a colt. You say, Pastor, how do we, not only just we discover this prize, this potential, but how do we depend on his power? Listen, that's the important part. How did he come into Jerusalem, folks? You can answer that. How did he get into Jerusalem? Sitting on the colt of an ass. Why, you'd think he'd come in white horses, right? I mean, come in and uh, storming down there like, uh, 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 what was it, Absalom that came storming in and, boy, I'm the king. Let's see. What does it mean? First of all, we've got to remember humility. He cometh sitting on the colt of an ass. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. But the key phrase is what? Humble themselves. Would you go back and get my mouse out of the office? Humility. He came in victorious in what? Humility. You want to depend upon his power, then you have to be, as, we, as you're all on the altar. You remember, the, if you're always on the altar, remember uh, when uh, Abraham uh, put his son on the altar, he was bound. I mean, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, I mean, you think about it. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. Thank you. 
Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It goes on to say in the next verse that there's grace available to be humble. We're going to have all on the altar, then there has to be the grace. Look, I can't remember the ver- words verbatim. Look in Romans chapter 12, verse number 3. And I say through grace given unto me and to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think what? Soberly. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Take your Bible and turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Look down at verse number 27. 2 Chronicles chapter 24. We're going to start back in verse 23. Chapter 34, verse number 23. 2 Chronicles 34, and verse number 23. Verse 23, And she answered them and saith, The Lord, the God of Israel, tell, tell ye the man that sent you to me, thus saith the Lord... Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even the the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be poured out upon this place. And as for the king of Judah, anybody know who the king of Judah was at this time? Look in verse 1. Who was it? Josiah. Was he a good king or a bad king? He was a good king, wasn't he? And you read down through there. I wish I had time to take you through all those verses. But if you read down through there, it said all that Josiah did. He started rebuilding the temple. He started getting things in order the way it should be. And in essence, it was almost like a one-man show. But he says, I'm going to do it. Well, no matter whether anybody, I'm the king. And when they found the book of the law, they began to read and they, they, they read the book of the law. And they sent this messenger and that messenger says, this is what's going to happen. And verse number 26, And the king of Judah who sent you to inquire me, so shall you say unto him, This is the good king. Thus saith the Lord of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender... And thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardst the words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me. I have heard thee also, saith the Lord. Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that will bring upon this place. So God looked down and saw what? One person. And said, listen, I see you. How many of you think God looks down and sees all the trash going on around us? 
How many think he sees that? Woo! How many knows God sees you when you try to live by faith? How many know God sees you? When God sees you struggling, but you're trying to say, I'm going to raise these kids. By the grace of God, I'm going to raise these kids up for God. I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to be all that I should be for them. How many think God sees that? Remember that that humbling of ourselves in spite of everything else is huge in the eyes of God. Because thine heart was tender, I pray to God that you allow God to let your heart be what? Tender. It's nothing wrong. I don't know about you. I'll start off praying. I'll start praying and I'll start praying and start praying. And after a while... I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just a big old softy. But after a while, my heart begins to break. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Something happens. And you begin to pray, and you begin to see all that's going on around you. You begin to see yourself. You begin to see, I believe what God does, He opens your mind to see things as He sees them. And your heart begins to break. And you begin to say, Oh, God. You've got to do something. God, I'm just a man. You've got to do something. I'm just a mom. I don't have all. I don't feel like i got all that I need to raise up these kids. God, you've got to do something. And God hears. Because he hears a, what kind of a heart? A humble and a tender heart. Why did he come to Jerusalem sitting on the donkey on the foal of an ass. Why didn't he just come riding through in, in a chariot? Because he says, listen, the resurrected life, the path to victory is humility. It's not because of who we are. It's because of who he is. It's not because of me we get victory. It's not because of you we get victory. It's because of the Lord Jesus Christ we get victory. And we depend on Him. We're going to develop that potential and we're going to depend upon His power. The prophecy of a humble Savior. You turn to Zechariah, if you can't read it from up here, where you're at, Zechariah 9 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, the Bible says, riding upon an ass, upon the colt, the foal of an ass. So this was prophesied long before Jesus ever came in. And he wanted you to know that he is available through humility. Don't be angry at God. How many sometimes get angry a little bit at God? Why, God? <laughs> I know it's normal. But it doesn't make it right. You may start off and you're praying and be a little angry and want to talk to God. And if you stay there long enough, God will humble you. And you'll say to God, God, I'm sorry. The 
prophecy of a humble Savior. Remembering to glorify. When Jesus was glorified. In verse number 16, if you'll follow along in your Bible. Chapter 12, verse 16. And the Bible says, And these things understood not his disciples at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they these things that were written of him. I really believe that this is really a twofold thing. When we're honestly trying to humbly serve God and do the right thing and say, God, I, my goal here isn't that my kids will make me feel good. My goal here isn't that I'll go out and win souls that I'll feel good. I'm not going to do the things that I do. I'm not motivated just so that I'll feel good. God, I want to glorify you. See, when your motives are right, that path to victory is open because, God, I want everything to be done to be honoring to you. Look at the prayer of our Lord in John chapter 17, if you will. We call this the high priestly prayer of the Lord. And, of course, it's recorded, and I think it's recorded for a purpose. Look what it says in verse number 1. These words spake Jesus, lifted up his eyes unto heaven, said, Father, the hour has come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life as to many as thou hast given him. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. What did he say he did in verse 4? I have glorified thee, what? What did he do? I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. So how do we glorify God? We finish the work. We find God's will and we do it. You say, God, I, you, you've shown me. Listen, sometimes we make a big deal out of figuring out what God's will is. It's like, it's like the hand in front of your face. It's obvious so many times. We want to look everywhere but where we need to look. Look what it says. And he says, I've glorified thee on the earth. I've finished the work thou gavest me. Verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which thou had with thee before the world was. Look in verse number 6. I've manifested thy name unto men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, thou gavest them me, and they've kept thy word. Now they have known all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. Now, <clears throat> now I have given them the words which thou gavest me. They have received them and known surely I came out of thee. They have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them thou gavest me, for they are thine. All nine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am what? What is he? I'm glorified in them. Don't underestimate when you depend on God. Trust in God. You said we sang that faith is the victory. 
And when we live by faith and we say, God, I, I want your will to be done and I'm going to do it in a humble way and I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it to glorify you. You got all the proper things in order. And God is ready to work. Because we're wanting to hold the palm leaf, right? What's the palm leaf represent? Victory, right? They don't walk on it and say, victory! Woo! Victory! It's like a like a like some kind of a thing they wave around at the ball games now. Victory! Woo! I don't know about you. I want to be doing that. People get right with God. Woo! My kids get saved. Want to live for God. Woo! My grandkids want to serve God. Want to get saved. Want to serve God. Woo! It's victory. I want to glorify Him. That path to victory. Verse 17. John 12 and verse 17. The people who were there with him called, he, when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him up from the bare record. What are they doing? What are, you, what are you doing when you're bearing record? <laughs> this guy was dead. <laughs> this guy was dead. This this. Savior, this Jesus, Lord of hosts, rose him from the dead. I was there. I couldn't believe it. He was standing there and he was weeping, and all of a sudden he said, Lazarus, what? Come forth. And you wouldn't believe it. He came walking out of there. I mean, he was all bound up and he had the grave clothes on him, and, and he was, I couldn't believe it. For this cause, the people also met him that heard what he had done. They said, you know what? We weren't there, but wow. What a powerful testimony. I don't know about you, but I know for a fact, and I'm not patting myself, but I'm telling you, I know what I was before Christ came into my life. I know what I was. And I'm saying God did that. My Heavenly Father did that. When you see your kids doing something that is, wow, (laughs) you say what? God did that. John chapter number 11. We go back to this resurrection. John chapter number 11. Jesus meets with his Mary and Martha after their brother Lazarus had died. Verse number 20. And Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, this is chapter 11 of verse 20, went and met with him. But Mary sat still in the house. 
Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Well, that's kind of reassuring. Oh, great. And Martha said unto her, I know he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Yeah, okay, I'm, I already know that. And what did Jesus say to her? We quote this verse all the time, right? What did Jesus say? He says what? I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he what? Live. We not only understand that we're, we're to remember the resurrected life. When we think about next Lord's Day, Resurrection Sunday, and we think about the opportunity that you got to look at every person in the eye, because you will recognize, reckon you will stand before God someday. And did I have an opportunity to give that person to live their opportunity to live the resurrected life? How many think that we have in our hand, in our possession, the ability to give somebody the knowledge of the truth that they can live the resurrected life? That's a, that's a pretty important thing to have, isn't it? What a privilege. Philippians chapter 3. If you'll turn there with me. Philippians chapter number 3. Look down in verse number 8. The Apostle Paul speaking. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that, they, that I may know the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto what? The resurrection of the dead. So we have and we hold in this earthen vessel that God has saved this grand opportunity. Not only to speak of the resurrection, but to live the resurrected life. Because we want to be one of those people that says, I want to be on that path to victory. I want to be on that place where Jesus is taking that uh, 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 donkey, that foal of an ass. I want to be the one out there waving the palm. Woo. Some of you, I think your exciter's broke. You go into the exciter repair shop. Ask God to fix that thing. Because I'm telling you, when 
the, 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 the glory of, of living for the Lord Jesus Christ is as Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I think it's plausible and it's possible. The path to victory. Now let me say this. This is the tough part. The path to victory is what? What is it? Death. Whoa. What path was Jesus on? He was on the path to victory, wasn't it? In order for him to be on that path of victory, what did he have to do? He had to die, didn't he? Well, that's, that was what Jesus had to do. Listen, let me tell you something, my friend. It's not just the Lord Jesus that had, had to, that to accomplish. Turn your Bibles back to that book of John, chapter number 12. <clears throat> John, chapter number 12. Verse number 18. For this cause, we just read it, the people bear record of him. Verse 17, for this cause the people also met him. For they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees in verse 19, therefore said among themselves, I perceive you know you prevail in nothing. Behold, the world has gone after him. There were certain Greeks among them. They came up to worship at the feast. The same therefore came to Philip, which is Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we see we would see Jesus. And Philip cometh and tell Andrew, and Andrew Philip, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come, the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily I say unto you, Except the corn of wheat fall unto the ground and die. It abideth what? Alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth what? Much fruit. So Christian, what do we got to do? We got to die to self, don't we? You want to wave that palm leaf, right? Woo! I want to be excited over what God's doing in my life and the people I know's life. I want to, I want to see God work in my life. Then you must die. There's some ideas that you have about your home that are wrong. There's some ideas you have about your marriage that are wrong. There's some ideas you have about what you need to be doing for work that is wrong. Guess what? There's some folks sitting in here that will never ever see the resurrected life. Because they have a will that they've put above God's will. I'm sorry. I'm breaking some bad news to some of you. Well, I'm, I've been talking about waving the victory. Woo, we're going to have the victory. Woo, it's going to be great. I'm going to see great things happen. You'll never see it. Because you stop short of laying all on the altar. 
You want God to work, but you want Him to work in spite of you. By the way, you know God does that sometimes. But the real victory is when we say, God, I want to be dead. I, I just want, I don't want anything of my life to be shown at all. I want everything that, that you want to accomplish in my life to be accomplished through you. You remember, in order for this to happen, we have to live the resurrected life. You remember in the Old Testament, I think it's in Numbers, where the, the people were rebellious and they weren't following the, what Moses wanted them to do, and God did what? Remember what he did? He sent down that serpent. I mean, they were all over the place. And they were just biting people right and left. And all of a sudden, and, 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 and Moses said, Man, what, are you, what can I do? And he says, Make a brazen serpent and put it up on a stick. And he says, Just tell the people, Look and what? Live. We sing a song, right? Look and live. <laughs> See, we want to live the resurrected life. We've got to be dead to self. And saying, God, if, if you don't help me, I'm going to die in my sin. I'm going to die doing my own will. By the way, that serpent's still on a stick. You know where you see that all the time? Where do you see that? Huh? Doctor's office, right? The symbol's still there. Listen, I'm all done, folks. I'm done. We're not going to get little dirt put on your forehead. Not going to happen here. And I don't have under the pulpit here a whole bunch of palm leaves to give you so you can walk out of church and feel good. I'm sorry, I just no benefits there for that. But what I am giving you what I am giving you is an opportunity to live the victorious life. I'm telling you what God wants you to see is that you can say, Lord, I want one of those palm leaves. I wanted you to give it to me from heaven. I want one of those palm leaves that, Lord, I want to see you work in my life. Lord, I'm going to humble myself to the degree that I'm broken. And Lord, I want you just to do whatever you want. I'm laying my life on the altar. I guess I've got this job. And yes, I got this house. And yes, I got this. But God, it's all on the altar. If you want me to have this job, if you don't want me to have this job, if you, whatever you, it ought to be every Christian in this room says to God on a regular basis, Lord, I don't care what it is. Whatever you want me to give up, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'm willing to do it. You just tell me. I remember, for you that remember Brother Andy, he was such a blessing. He, he got saved. <clears throat> and when he got saved, he said that to God. And he had all this music that wasn't of God 
He went to his room and books and music, whatever he had, and he gave it all to God. And he says, Look, and and the Lord just told him, That's, this music's not of me. He went out and he, he got one of those city black dumpsters, you know, that's out in your alley. He loaded all his stuff up in boxes and he threw it all in the garbage. His mother looked at him, what are you doing? I said, what's his mom's stuff? He threw out his mom's stuff too. I don't know about that was the right thing to do. But he was what? What was he? He was surrendered. Did he see God's blessing? How many of you want to wave a palm ring? Some of you just want to carry one. Look so pious. Yeah, put a little ash on your head and you look so pious. You go up and get your little McDonald's and say, we've been to church today. No, why don't, why don't you just decide today, God, I'm surrendering. I'm giving your life. Lord, I just want you to work in my life any way you want. Lord, if, that, if that's you this morning, why don't you tell God that? If that's you, Lord, I want to be the one that waves the victory because I see what you're doing, what you've done. Let's stand as we close. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we just thank you, Lord. Lord, you have made it very clear by your testimony, Father, 